Thank you for downloading this Brum Radio podcast. For more podcasts, visit brumradio.com. All stories must eventually come to an end. I'm Philip Ellis, you're listening to Tall Tales, and this is the final episode of our first series, The Boy Who Wasn't There. Liam said that breaking into the school with him would be enough to let me into his gang, but now I have to do this. Liam is watching from the other end of old Dog Breath's laboratory. Is that him laughing? Or is it the hiss from the benchtop gas tap that he's turned on? Liam said I'll be a card if I don't do it, so I strike the match. The flash is far too bright. There's lots of heat. Liam is screaming, and, and me? I'm flying. I pass through the ceiling of the lab and drift up with the smoke. Wow, I can see the lost footballs on the roof of the science block. Some are melting into pools of plastic gloop from the heat of the fire. Fire? The the science block is on fire. I, I never meant for that to happen. Blue lights scrape across the classroom windows. The basketball post is knocked over by a fire engine that races onto the playground. And I'm floating higher. Limping John, the school caretaker, is in his dressing gown. It flaps about his skinny legs as he runs back and forth with both hands pressed to his face. I'm slowing down. Falling now through the smoke... The roof of the school rushes up to meet me. Oh no, is this going to hurt? I close my eyes and... Have you all been asleep? Can no one tell me the answer? Huh? Miss Can stands in front of the class. She's normally nice and speaks so quietly, but today she's really loud. We've all been through a lot, but really, 5C, this is not good enough. Hang on. Why am I standing in the open classroom doorway? Have I been sent outside for copying Liam and messing about again? I don't remember. Very well. I will read the verse one more time. Please listen carefully. Poetry. I just don't get it. I know that some of the teachers think I'm thick. Dog breath art science teacher is the worst. He had a go at me for nodding off while he was banging on about acids and alkalis. I bet he'd be tired as well if his mum had had another bad night and he was up and down fetching her water and helping her every time she fell out of bed. Miss Can glances at me as she opens her book. I nod to show that I'm sorry for whatever, but she doesn't ask me to go back to my seat. What did I do that was so bad? Melanie Chambers, the girl with the best smile in the world and who always makes me feel like an idiot when she looks at me, starts crying. Anne Pardue, her best friend, puts her arm around her and 
I look at Miss Can, expecting her to be angry, but instead her eyes are all watery. Why smells so upset? Across the aisle from her, Liam gives this <laughs> laugh, like he does when he sees a fat kid fall over and hurt themselves. His face is all red, like he's been in the sun too long. He stretches an elastic band between his fingers and shoots a paper pelt that skims across Mel's desk and bounces off her wrist. She jerks back as if she's been stung, and I'm marching across the room. I'm not letting him bully Mel. Stand up, you rabbit-faced lump of dog's poop, I yell, but he doesn't even look at me. He just stares at Mel and smirks. I want to hit him, but I've never punched anyone in my life. Instead, I swing my hand across his desk to knock his poetry book into his chest. But it feels like my fingers are passing through warm water. The book doesn't move, but the sheet of paper he was writing on flips up and stays in my fingers. It feels slippery, like I'm holding a piece of warm ice. Is that possible? Warm ice? Anyway, drawn on the sheet is a stick man with a big grinning face. <laughs> Look at this! I call out and turn the paper to show Mel. He's twelve and all he can draw is stick people. She looks at the paper, but it's like I'm holding up a dead rat or something. Her face goes white. And she's pushing away from me and into Anne Pardue, whose, whose eyes widen as if she's going to scream. Liam squeals like I've actually hit him. He topples backwards and his chair falls against the new kid, Daniel Jackson's desk. The whole class are on their feet. Girls are screaming and everyone is shuffling away from me. Miss Can's eyes are even wider than Anne Pardue's and she has both fists pressed to her chest as she stares at the paper. What's the matter with everyone? Stop it! I shout, but no one answers. I drop the paper and it falls in a swinging arc and lands on Liam's chest. Liam squeals louder and wriggles under Daniel Jackson's desk to get away. Dan is the only one who isn't panicking. His voice is calm and kind-sounding. Jeff, are you there? What, even the weirdo new kid whose dad is supposed to be a ghost hunter or something is winding me up? I can't take any more of this. I dash for the door. Jeff, I stop. Spin around, but like Miss Can, Daniel Jackson isn't even looking at me. Stop being so nasty, I shout. I've had enough of this stupid school and the stupid people in it. I don't care if I get into trouble. I'm, I'm going home. The corridor is bright from the sunlight coming in from outside. So why can't I see the doors at the end of the corridor that lead to the playground? It's black, like the entrance to a deep tunnel. It's horrible. Why is it there? Why, why am I seeing it? I'll go the other way, past the entrance to Dog Breath's lab and out through the side door. I turn away from the blackness and start down the corridor, but something's going on with the lab door. Well, there is no door. Just a light that's so white it's hurting my eyes. Someone's inside the light. I 
can't see who it is because they're just a shape. They're lifting an arm, waving. They want me to go to them. No way. I'll go back into Miss Can's class and, and leave the school when all the other kids do. The classroom door is closed now. I try to open it, but it's as if the knob is covered in slippery stuff. My fingers can't grip enough to twist it. I bang on the glass. Miss Can! Miss Can! Nobody looks at me. And then I realise I'm not making any sound. My fists hit the window, but there's no thump or bang. What's happening to me? I'm alone now. The school is empty and there's just the one security light on in the corridor, yet I can still see the darkness. It's like I'm standing on a slope. I, I feel the darkness pulling me, pu pulling me in. The single shape in the white light is there, waiting. Waiting? Waiting for what? For me? A smashing of glass. Someone's breaking into the school. I was sitting on the floor with my arms around my legs to stop from shaking, but I jump up now. A figure knocks out the jagged bits of the glass with a stick and then climbs in. It's Daniel Jackson. What's he doing here? I hadn't got him down as the kind who'd be an idiot like me and burgle the school. Jeff? Are you here? Are you trying to be funny, Jackson? I yell. He turns round and looks right at me. Jeff? Give me a sign if you're here. Pack it in, Jackson, you freak! I give him a shove, but my hand slides across his chest without actually touching him. I'm weak. Like most of my energy has gone from me and into him. Wow, that's cold, Dan says and steps back from me. Thanks for making contact. Making contact? What's that supposed to mean? I try to shove him again and my... And just scoots away from him. I'm so tired. I drop to my knees. Easy, Jeff, Dan says and rubs his arms like he's trying to get warm. Listen, Jeff, my dad's more into this stuff than I am, but we find out that I'm the one who's more sensitive than him or any of his ghost hunting friends. Sensitive to what, Dan? I don't know what you're talking about. Dan tilts his head to one side like he's only just hearing me. I'm still learning, Jeff. I'm I'm still being trained, but I'm here to help you if I can. Then look at me. I'm down here. Help me. Dan still stares ahead. His voice is soft like before. Kind. Jeff, you do know that you're dead, right? What? I, I managed to stand up. The laboratory fire was about six months ago. That's when you died, Jeff. Six 
months ago. <laughs> Don't be stupid, I'm here! Here! Dan just carries on talking. Sometimes spirits who hang around the place where they died do it because they don't realise they're dead. They see a white light, and that's where they should go, but they don't understand. I look at the light at the end of the corridor. The shape is still there. It raises an arm and, and waves. I'm sensing that you're scared, Jeff. I turn to face him. I am, Dan. I'm really frightened. All I can say is, don't be afraid. If you want to move on, I want my mum. If you want peace, I want to go home. Then go where the light is. Crying is for babies, but I can't help it. I'm glad Dan can't see me because I'm blubbering like a year one. Jeffrey? The voice is deep and reaches right into me. And even though I haven't heard it in a long, long time, I know who it is. Jeffrey? Son? Dad? It's okay to come to me, Geoffrey. The corridor, the classrooms, and even Daniel become sort of misty. But I do see my dad. He lifts up his arms to me. I'm running down the corridor. Then I remember why it all changed. Dad's car accident leaving... Just me and mum. Then, mum's illness and me having to stay at home to look after her instead of playing with my friends. They don't call for me anymore. I slow down. It's okay to leave, Geoffrey. I stop walking. I can't, Dad. I have to stay and look after Mum. Dad lowers his arms. I'm close enough to see his face now and he's smiling. Someone joins him and he puts an arm around her. At first I don't recognise who she is because she can stand without being bent over and I don't think of a bird's claws when I look at her hands because her fingers are... Long and straight as she waves to me. Mum's here with me now, son. We've been waiting for you, darling, Mum says. I'm running as fast as I can and I'm in the light. And it's like I'm in the front garden on the first day of the summer holiday and it's warm and sunny and all my friends are outside our house calling for me to come out and play. I'm full of joy, and everything is wonderful and right. And I'm being lifted and hugged, and it's great. Just great.
Boy Who Wasn't There was written by Dennis Zaslona and read by Matthew McConnell. Find out more about the author and his upcoming novel at secretsandghosts.com. Tall Tales is produced and edited by Aidan Meyer. Our theme music is by Swamp Thing. If you've missed any of the stories from our first series, you can now listen online at mixcloud.com forward slash brumradio. Our call for Series 2 is officially now open. If you are a writer who would like to contribute to the show, please check our website for details, brumradio.com forward slash talltales. And for updates, follow us on Twitter at brumradiotales. The submissions deadline is midnight on Sunday, 31st of July. If you are an actor and you'd like to work with us, then we'd love to hear from you. Email us at stories at brumradio.com. Thank you to all of the talented writers who've shared their work with us. Thank you to the actors who've brought these stories to life. And most of all, thank you listeners for joining us. We promise to be back in the autumn with a brand new lineup of short stories that both shock and delight. Until then, I'm Philip Ellis, and you have been listening to Tall Tales on Brum Radio. Thank you for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on your podcast app.